for listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. How are you doing today? Having a good Father's Day? Yeah, yeah. I sent a note off to my dad. It's not Father's Day in Canada. Of course, they did that in June, but um, sending a hello anyway. God bless you. Today, we're going to be doing a Father's Day special message today, um, and we're going to be talking about the glory of fathers. Um, that is, of course, a picture of me and my granddaughter, Evelyn, and uh, we're, we are having a, another one join us in December this year, so I don't know if you know that, but yeah, that's going to be doubly exciting for us as well. This scripture here, Proverbs seventeen six. I finally aged into this scripture. <laughs> Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their father's. I'll tell you what, I've really loved being a dad. It's probably been my greatest honor and probably most responsible task that I've ever been given. And being a grandfather is just fantastic because, I don't know if you know this, but your children might have some flaws. Your grandchildren don't have any. They're not, not a one. They're perfect in every way. So they are, you know, you can't spoil them because they're perfect. You know, you can't. And I, 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 I've, in my desperation to be a, a, a good grandpa, to, to, you know, really have a good relationship with a granddaughter, we, we, uh, I've kind of chosen the, the playmate version. Uh, so do you know that, you know, parents, grandparents can choose like different models, different roles? You know, like uh, um, Jody, who's called Gigi. She's the stylish one, the one with the answers, the ones with the correct food, the, the, one, the one that can help you do your hair and the one that can help you succeed at life. I'm the guy that you uh, jump on the bed with, right? I, I'm the guy that puts the, uh, the uh, french fries up your mouth and does walruses together. Um, I'm just trying to connect because I just love my kids and my grandkids so much. But I want to focus today on that phrase. It says, the glory of children is their fathers. And I want to talk about what that means today, because it's something that is deeply felt across the world. And Father's Day is not necessarily a day of celebration for a lot of people. And, and part of that is really expressed in this, oh, sorry, in this verse that says, behold, this is, this is the last verse in the Old Testament. This is the last thing that God said before he stopped saying things and then spoke through his son. And this is what he said. He says, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and their hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. That's a pretty serious statement, isn't it? And, and if you didn't read the Old Testament and you didn't know how bad the story went up to that point, you would probably feel like it's kind of harsh, but really is a fantastic summary of everything that had gone wrong to that point. You know what the problem was? People couldn't stay devoted to God. They just couldn't. Even his own children, his own family, the people that he picked to be the people of his own, they wouldn't stay devoted to him. He tried lots of things. He tried blessing them. He did more miracles for his people Israel than he did for any other nation, by far. And not even miracles that that were heard of before. He did things that were beyond 
anybody's experience. He stopped the sun one day for them, for goodness sake. He blessed them so much. Could they stay faithful? No. So he tried punishment. He punished them with all kinds of things, all kinds of plagues and pestilence and hard times and invasion by foreign armies. And did they stay faithful? No, they didn't. And it's, it's a very interesting idea that neither the carrot nor the stick could keep people faithful to God. And so he says in the diagnosis, he says, you know what the breakdown of this world looks like? It looks like this. Fathers and kids. Fathers and kids. You know, we've been talking all this year about getting our lives back in the order that God wanted for us. And he's, God says, you want to define disorder? This is what disorder looks like. Dads and kids. Dads and kids. How many, how many people had a perfect dad? No. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Lil. <laughs> Taught you to lie. <laughs> That's my daughter Lily lying for me for my benefit. And proving my point. You see, nobody had the perfect dad, and we, do, we, we end up misled, misguided, mispointed. We, we end up wrongly because of the environment in which we grew up in, and not necessarily we can lay the blame on our dads because our dads were also grew up in environments that were less than perfect, and their dads, and their dads, and their dads, and their dads. Right back to Adam, who had the perfect dad. You see, there's something about this idea about the way that we kind of continue what's wrong that is a definition of why Father's Day is so important and why fathers are so important. I want to talk today about why fathers matter, and I want to talk about it in a way that's been really relevant and important to me, because if you don't know, I just recently went back to Canada because my dad wasn't well, and I wanted to, hadn't seen him for a couple of years, and I wanted to make sure I was there at, you know, at that moment and, you know, just be part of that. And... When I was there, I started asking questions about his life and his parents and my, my mom's dad and my mom's parent, grandparents and getting some of the story. I took this photo of, of a photo because that's how we do it nowadays. You know, do you ever have you, like your parents shove a photo in your face? I just take a photo of it and then I've got it forever. I don't know. I say, yeah, put it away again. My photo's better. Because then this is also the thing too. When you're my age, then you can expand it and you can actually see the details of it, because you're like, who is that? You know. Anyway, when I was there, I had a chance to talk to one of my uncles, who's not in this picture, because he was the child born next in this family unit. This is my mom's family. My mom is the little girl sitting on the lap of her mother. And the fellow in the back is my grandfather, who I never met on my mom's side. He died when my mom was 12. Um primarily as a result of his long-term alcoholism. And I was talking to my, my uncle while I was there just about his experience and his difficulties because at the moment he's going through some difficulties in his life and we were having a chat about that and I love him and care for him and I was just sharing his story. And he talked about how badly he was set up in life because of his dad. I mean, not only the fact that his dad died when he was only seven, and so he missed out on a, a father figure. He said his, his, his father, the tall, taller man at the back, although he actually wasn't tall, he's just the only one standing. He said that he, he would finish his day's work, get his pay, go to the, to the country pub, spend three quarters of the money getting drunk, and bring home the quarter for a family of seven kids 
to survive on. And how bitter and disappointing it was that he had such a, a deadbeat for a dad. Didn't care about the family. He said he only cared about himself. And I was talking to him about addictive things. Because it doesn't matter whether it's alcohol or some other addictive thing. It's not that you care more about yourself. It's that you care more about what you're getting out of life, what you need to get through life, than you care about other people. He was trapped, like many people are, in all kinds of addictive things. But he was so disappointed because his dad had created such disorder in his life because his dad was so disordered. And a lot of us, we can feel that, right? We know dads like that. We know maybe it was your dad. Then I asked questions about my dad's family. Because I said, I'd never seen a photo of my grandfather. And I thought, oh, that's because my, my grandparents divorced when my dad was uh, still in his teens. And my grandmother, uh, like many people in bitter divorces, tore up all the photos of grandpa and got rid of them. And he wasn't a photogenic fellow and everybody didn't have iPhones back then. So there really wasn't many photos, but we found this one. So this is a photo of my dad's family. My, my dad is this uh, young guy here. That's, yeah, you just get so emotional. Yeah. This, this gentleman there is my grandfather. Uh, sporting glasses like me. He looks very much like my uncle and my cousins. And uh, there's other people in here. This is one of my aunts. This is another one of my aunts. This is my Uncle Don. I'll show you a picture of him later. But there was my grandfather standing taller than anyone else in the crowd. He was a big man. Big in kind of every way. He was solid and thick. Farming stock. He was a big, big bloke. And he was an angry man. He uh, married my grandmother, uh, Florence. Um, and it was a difficult marriage. Um, my grandfather was the biggest guy in the town that he grew up in. And so he was the town bully and also the, ta- the guy who got what he wanted because of his size. And uh, Grandma was the most pretty girl in town, so he won her <laughs> as though she was a prize at a contest, not for love. They uh, got married and had kids. My grandfather served in the military in Canada. He actually was one of the guards at the prisoner of war camp that was in, in Calgary in Canada. When the German prisoners were taken, many of them, rather than being interned in England, were sent to other nations to spend their, the war out. You know, no chance of rescue if you're being held in Calgary, Canada. It's a long way for the Germans to come get you. My father is actually a German person, my last name, Habermil, and there he is when he's one of his last photos in uniform, and there's my uncle, and that's my dad. Again, my father and my grandfather, my father, and that's my uncle, and that's my dad. I love the hats. I love the hats. Someone needs to bring them back. And there's my grandfather, again, with my uncle, Don, who looked the most like him and was of the same size, Uh, also a big man. Uh, Uncle Don's son, Robert, was uh, almost the spitting image of my grandfather, so much so that, like, my grandfather is quite older there, although he did die when he was 54, so 
He just looks a lot older than he was. And I don't know if you can tell in the photo, but my grandfather's arms are abnormally big. Um, people used to make comments, apparently, that they would... As my dad told a story once where they were driving along in the, you know, in the car and they picked up a hitchhiker and the hitchhiker popped in the back seat. And my dad was driving and my grandfather's arm was across the back of the seat, you know, bench seat in the front. And the hitchhiker just looked at his arm and went, Oh, what? <laughs> because he was very strong. He had just... You saw some people are just born with muscles on their muscles. And not because of any kind of time spent in the gym, but just he was genetically giant. He would, um, when he was a, a younger lad, and he would get drunk, and he would steal the wagons from the t- people in the town, as you do, and then take joy in putting their wagons on top of their barns. <laughs> so that in the morning, the people would come out where the wagon was in the barn, and now the wagon is on the barn. But to play jokes like that, you have to be exceptionally strong, right? You just have to have more physical power than other people do. He was just, just big. What was my grandfather's glory? If the scriptures say grandfathers, grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers, to me, the glory of my grandfather was his, his physical strength. And then I also heard all about his alcoholism, how his alcoholism had led, he wasn't as bad as my grandfather on my mother's side, but he was somebody who really messed the family up because he kind of, he used alcohol as a medicine basically to get through life. And that ended up in terrible marriage strife. My dad's version of home life was just, if you weren't hearing mom and dad shout and scream and having difficulties, they were shouting and screaming at you. His dad was tough, hard, brutal, whipping him for his mistakes, treating him very badly. And he really didn't take care of his kids. One, one day, my dad came home from school when he was 13 years old and found that his house that he lived in was empty and all the furniture was gone. And... Uh, he decided, okay, I guess it's over, and he packed his things, and he went off and found another place to live, um, and then found out that his parents had separated, and each thought the other had taken him. You see, dad didn't get it easy. He didn't get a good dad, and it meant a, it meant a lot of harm for him. But when I heard the stories of my grandfather as a child, all I remembered was his physical strength. When Dad dad would retell stories, and of course dads don't necessarily want to tell bad stories about their dads, and so the only good news, the only thing that you could find to brag about, to tell about, was of his enormous physical strength. He was just a physically strong person. Now, the question is, how does that image affect the grandchild. When the story's told about what is worth remembering is about physical strength, what does that tell a grandchild? You see, the fascination of young boys is often not wisdom, but the glory of other things. The glory of being talented, the glory of having 
certain powers and abilities, the glory of being wealthy, the glory of being intelligent, the glory of trendsetting, the glory of being famous, the glory of this, the glory of that. When you're a young child, you are exceptionally open to influence. And the star that shone in the story of my grandfather's life was physical strength. What do you think I wanted to be like? I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be strong. You know, there's this quote from Tupac Shakir. Not that I'm a rap fan. But one of the sort of the fathers of the modern rap and gangster rap that influences a lot of mostly American nation and and around the world as well as different cultures have picked up on the toughness of this stuff. He he said, I don't want to be a role model. I just want want to be somebody who says, this is who I am. This is what I do. Let's say what's on my mind. 2-1, homie. (laughs) I don't know. I've got to wear one of those nettings on my head or something like that. Or get one of these Aunt Jemima hats. This this man who was killed in 1996 in a drive-by shooting after living years as a tough, larger-than-life person who blew money, who, who drugged and drank and went through women and set this image of the success of life is the enjoyment and the pleasure and the prestige of your own glory in it. He set the scene for thousands and thousands and thousands of young men who are looking for what stands out, what matters. He said, I don't want to be a role model. And even that is a role model. Because people are always looking. They're always learning. And he had no dad. Then there's this guy who's read uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was looking in, um, I, I read the, the news feed like it's my social media. You know, like other people got Facebook. I just got the news. The world is my environment. Anyway, I'm looking through and saw a story about this gentleman um, whose name has slipped my mind Andrew Tate. Okay, Lockheed knew. I'm not just a sign. Andrew Tate was kickboxer fame initially, then went on Big Brother, and then became worldwide famous because of his extravagance. And he's being, he, was one, he is one of the largest followed people in the world for young people. And what he stands for is abusive relationships with women, ripping people off and getting wealthy, having your physical strength be your profile. He's always he's showing photos of himself, athletic and cut and strong. But they, they're trying to ban him from social media, which I don't know if that's always the solution, but or he is banned because of his constant talk about how it's okay to be violent with women. But young people are not, listen, they're not being turned off by that. They're learning from that. Being banned just shows how prominent and how powerful he is. Women are the same. We, we model ourselves. I saw, I saw a video, uh, something the other day, or I think it was, a, uh, it was a, what do you call those things? Commercials. Yeah, I know, struggled to come up with that one. And, and uh, they, they were, all these people were driving in a car, and cars now have headsets 
and the driver, who is the parent, has to push a button to talk into what the other people are listening on their headsets. Did you know that? Like, there's new cars coming out now because everybody's on their own. All the teenagers are all doing their own thing. They don't want to have to listen to mom and dad. So there's an intercom system for the headsets in their car. Isn't that very, rather than listening to your parents? Anyway, so the dad pushes the button. He goes, where do you want to, where do you want me to drop you off? And the girl says, a block down the road from the party. Because I don't want to lose my image by them seeing you. <laughs> And mom. You see, women are the very same. We're all affected by our sense of value and the image that we have in society. We're all, we're projecting ourselves. We're always trying to be something more than we are, and we're always trying to perfect that by cutting out the things we don't like, the things we don't want to have influence, and just narrowing on the things that we want to show because our glory is so important. I was breaking down that word. This is the children. And glory of children is their father. The word glory is tifara, which means an ornament, beauty, bravery, glory, honor, majesty. And it comes from the, from the original root word that means to gleam or to, to boast. What is, what is the glory of children? The glory of children is their father. It's what they brag about in their dads. It's what they, what they, what they try to repeat in their dads, the thing that they, that they find value in, the things that kind of make them sort of sense, this is what makes me shine. This is what shone in their lives. So the glory of children is their fathers. I want to ask you today, whether you are a father or not, what glory do you represent? If somebody was to say what you shine about, what shines in your life, what is that glory? One day, this was just a note for me, by the way. One day, I, having heard all of the stories about my grandfather's prowess in physical skills, which usually meant beating up people, and hearing, hearing and remembering the stories of my dad and the times that my dad had to solve problems with physical violence. And I was experiencing, you know, the things that young boys do at school, the intimidation, the pressure, the bullying, the, all the stuff. All kids have it. It's not, I wasn't, don't feel sorry for me. And so I went home and I said, Dad, I need you to teach me how to fight. And my dad just said, nope. I'll never teach you. I'll never show you anything about how to fight. And I felt so betrayed in that moment because I felt like my dad wasn't equipping me with the thing that I needed for glory. But my dad was wiser. He was wiser than my grandfather. He was wiser than I was. And he said, you will never hear about that from me. And that's the last time my dad ever talked to me about fighting. You see, this is the great-grandfather that I wish I'd known. Standing there at the back, head and shoulders above everyone else and knowing it, next to him in the photo is this little man. Five foot three or something like that. His name is Levi. And that's my great-grandfather. That's my dad's 
my granddad's dad. And he is a man to admire. You know, when I was researching some stuff when I was there, my dad found publications about stories that were written by the, about the settlers of that area. My grandfather, Levi, was mentioned among them. And they wrote and said, His, the first two winters out west, Levi worked in Carstairs, Alberta. And there he met and married Martha Herner in 1908. Martha had come from Cullum, Illinois, so I'm, I have Americanism in my background. <laughs> I hope you can forgive that. I've had counseling. <laughs> Martha and Levi lived in a sod shack until 1921. <laughs> that when a, in 2021, a two-story house was moved to the farm in order to accommodate the ever-growing family. Martha worked hard raising a family and helping her husband. She was an active member in the Eltham Homemakers Club, and stories were told of house parties prairie fires, and good neighbors who was always ready to lend a hand. Levi and Martha had seven children, all born at home, all attended Eltham School. Levi was a true pioneer coming to Saskatchewan, that's one of the provinces in Canada. When he first became a province, he broke the land with oxen, he drove horses, he tanned his own leather, made harnesses, he cured meat, was a skilled blacksmith, with Mr. Orgham's help, he doctored his own animals. To supplement the farm income, he had a chopping and sawing outfit. He also had a threshing machine, and he threshed for the same neighbors for 25 years. His abilities as a carpenter and a butcher were passed on to his sons. My great-grandfather Levi was awesome. He was tiny. He didn't solve anything with physical strength. He solved everybody else's problems. He tanned, he worked, he, he tilled, he, he blacksmithed, he carpentered. I don't know if there's a trade off the list that great-grandpa didn't do. In fact, at the time when grandpa was, when he was moving out uh, west, yeah, there was somebody wrote a poem, and it goes, and it's terrible, so don't look for any kind of lyrical wonder here. One thing that pops into my mind is the story of the 1918 flu, when Mr. and Mrs. Elvie and Albert shared the sod shack with my ill folks, too. And kindly neighbors that we have came round to offer aid, and Dr. Johns made many calls and often wasn't paid. When the worst was over, and sick ones cared for, and animals fed, and George was ready to take over, it was my dad's turn to go to bed. And Levi said he lost his hair that year and it never grew back. <laughs> That's my grandpa, great-grandpa Levi. You see, Levi was that guy in the town that took care of everybody else, not just practically. And I thought it was very interesting that that was the story of Levi in the 1918 flu, the Spanish flu that killed many, killed uh, my, uh, my, grand, my mother's grandmother. And he was there taking care of people. And do you want to know why? Because great-grandpa Levi was a devout Mennonite. He met the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus changed him. Inter intersected with his family history. 
and started a new family history. And great grandpa Levi looked and lived like Jesus. But great grandpa Levi had a foolish son. It's Proverbs 10.1, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes glad his father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Proverbs 15.20, a wise son makes glad a father, but a foolish man despises his money, mother. You see how often moms take it? <laughs> it's the dads that go, oh, that ain't right, but it's the moms who feel the pain. But then Jesus came. You see, Jesus says of Jesus this, the word became flesh. That is, the thought of God became a living thing. The logic of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God became a living thing and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus was the glory of his father, and the Father was the glory of Jesus. When Jesus lived, he lived out the things about his Father that were the most glorable, glorifiable. He was representing him. He was repeating what he saw. He was living out what he saw. His experience as the Son of the Father, all he saw was, I want to make what my Father is more because it's so beautiful. And what did we see? Well, we saw the glory that was in Jesus Christ, that was the image of his Father. But then Jesus was never satisfied with it just being him and his dad. It says, Jesus prayed this prayer asking his Father for this. You know that glory that you gave me? Well, I'm giving it to them, that they may be one as we are one. And one doesn't mean unified, like, oh, let's all get along and sing a song together. This is one meaning one family, one group, one body, one church. Let them be part of us, he's saying. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. You see, what Jesus was trying to say is, you know that, that, that little story that ended off the book of the Old Testament? how badly it ended up become between fathers and sons. And it's because sons are representing their dads and it's not going well. And so Jesus said, I want to give everybody a new dad. I want everybody to have a new family. Because I want the glory that the father has to be in their lives too. And that only happens when you become one with God. If God is not your father, you cannot bring his glory. But if God is your father, that is the glory that you have. And so Jesus said, or it says of Jesus, he says, we know that in all, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. That means bad things turn out well. And for those who are called according to his purpose, for those that he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. I want you like you to know this, that God's final plan for your life is that you would live a glorious life. It would be something that other people look back and go, wow, 
He doesn't want to hold you down. He wants to lift you up. He doesn't want to make it worse. He wants to make it better. He wants to take it out of disorder and make order. Just know his father, and then you will be like his son. And that's a picture of my dad. Because even though my... Oh, how did I get that one in there? (laughs) Oh, somebody help me. Anyway, that photo was the wrong way initially, and then I had to turn it that way, and then I didn't delete that one. Anyway, there's a picture of my dad. There's a picture of my dad just before he found Christ, like his grandfather did. And his grandfather's life was changed because of Jesus. And my dad's life was changed because of Jesus. And he helped me to know Jesus. And by walking with Jesus, I now have this, the crown of the aged. I have my little granddaughter that I can show the glory of the Father to. And my wife, who can show the glory of the Father to her. And there is a beautiful story of Jesus coming into my life and giving me a new father. That's what God wants for you today. Because the glory of children is their fathers. And whose glory do you represent? Or what is the glory that's shaping you? Because I know some dads who are glorious at finances and they can make lots of money and save lots of money. But if that's the glory that your children see, that's what they'll aspire to. But that's not the right glory. Some dads are fantastic at their skills. They can make anything. They can build anything. And that's a glorious thing. But it's not the right glory. And some, some dads are amazing. They're wise. They're full of knowledge and understanding. They know many things. But that's not the right glory. See, the glory that we are meant to show is the glory of the Father, who is loving, who is compassionate, who is caring, who is nurturing, who, whose value is heaven, not the things of this earth. Whose glory are you following? And whose glory are you showing? Because we're all being influenced glory of children as their fathers. What's the glory that's shining brightest in your heart, in your life today? Father, we thank you that you came to show us something new, that you came to reveal through your Son the glory that you have. And that glory is a glory of holiness, a glory of righteousness, a glory of truth, a glory of power, the glory of, of salvation, kindness, and love. Father, you are beautiful, and we know that because of your Son, Jesus. And so my prayer is, Heavenly Father, that you would turn all of our attention towards you and your Son. Lord, help us to be focused on you and not on the people of this earth that have influenced us or could influence us. Lord, forgive our dads where they fail, Lord, because they all need forgiveness. But Lord, thank you for the great ways that they've shone beautiful things, just like my great-grandfather did. Thank you, Lord, for those who show good, beautiful things. 
Lord, for all of us, I pray that you would help us to know you as Father. And I pray for every person watching or here in this room today. Lord, that you would help them to know that they can be part of your family and they can have you as their own Father. Not in some sort of religious way, not in some, I said a prayer and then a a thing happened but they actually become your children and know you as Father. Lord, I pray for that for every person who's listening. I pray that you give them faith to believe that Jesus Christ, by having Jesus, that they will get to know you. And Lord, I pray that you would cause them to seek you out so that they can walk with you and know you. And Lord, as we are walking with you, I pray that you would by your own glory and your own image and your own goodness, that you would shine through us to not just our own particular families, but the whole community. Let us shine you. And Lord, guide us so that the thing that we are trying to represent most in this world is you and not the other things that just pass away. Lord, we pray that you would help us to idolize you and follow you because you're our true father. And Lord, we thank you for all the dads that have guided us and helped us and fed us and taught us. And we give you glory that for the things of you that shone through them. And we pray a blessing on them today too. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.